Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We've been on this journey of generosity for a few weeks now. One of the lessons we've been learning, hopefully, is that this journey doesn't start with our wallets. Our lesson today is based on Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Here's First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan with the sermon, Surrender to Him. Good morning. Good morning. morning. All right, that's good. I'm Chris Pan. I'm on staff as executive director of the church. We are in week five of six in our Raise the Sales sermon series. And next week we'll be in Joshua chapter six when the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Next week is also Commitment Sunday. Uh, Today we're going to look at chapter five of Joshua where a number of fascinating things happen all relating to surrendering to God. And so our sermon title today is Surrender to Him. Uh, To set the scene, the people of Israel have crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And they made a memorial of stones to honor and remember what God has done. And now they're camped in the shadow of the great city of Jericho and its formidable and impenetrable walls. Joshua chapter 5 verse 1 says that the Canaanite kings are melting in fear because they've seen and heard about the miracle that God has done, Israel crossing the Jordan on dry ground. And as the Israelites look up at the walls of Jericho, the city there to conquer, maybe there's a mix of emotions among them. Some may be wondering if God will come through, others excited to see how God will come through. We'll see in today's passage how God prepares Israel. We as a church, are in a similar place. We've been on a journey of faith these past five weeks, and God is growing us in our faith and in our understanding of his generosity. Last week, we remembered what God has done for us. And as that slideshow rolled last week of members who have passed away, I was just crying and crying. Remember all these great giants of faith that we've had the privilege of walking alongside. And I had to leave the 8 a.m. service um, and go compose myself in the hallway. And someone was standing there waiting to come in for the 9.30. And I was a mess and crying. And he looked at me and he said, must be a really good service today. (laughs) So we remembered our past and we're in position for whatever the future holds for this great community of First Pres. Commitment Sunday next week may look like the walls of Jericho to us. And we as a community might have the same mix of emotions, just like the Israelites. Some wondering if God will come through, others excited to see how God will come through. Maybe you're going through something else in your life right now, and you're staring up at those walls, wondering if God will come through. Someone came by the raise the sales table last week, and they asked for some extra wristbands. Uh, And he said that this wristband was his stone of remembrance. And this verse, be strong and courageous from Joshua 1.9, has been a great encouragement to him throughout his life. When we started this series, he Googled raise the sails and just started watching YouTube videos of people preparing sails on a boat. He just watched and meditated on all the preparation that needs to get done to prepare sails. He appreciated that we've taken this time these past few weeks um, to prepare for the journey to consecrate ourselves. And he said he knows that there's a money commitment at a certain point, but that's later on. He said 
you know, the important part is the spiritual work we're doing now to consecrate ourselves, to prepare to raise the sails. I told him, yes, this guy gets it. Uh, there is a, you know, there are FAQs in the back of this book. There are, um, there's a prophecy in the front of this book. I don't know if you've seen it, but on the inside cover are the words from Pastor Pete Grigg that he shared at the HIM conference three years ago for all of Hawaii. And Pete Grigg is a friend of this church. He's written a number of books on prayer. He's come and spoken at our church. And take a look at the inside cover. Pete said uh, in his fancy British accent, which I will not try to uh, replicate, Pete said, and this was the prophecy for all of Hawaii. He said, I was in the spirit and God showed me Hawaii. He kept saying, the wind is coming to Hawaii. It is offshore at the moment, but the wind is coming soon. God told me that the church in Hawaii is beginning to see a change in the atmosphere, but more is coming and you're to listen for it and look for it and be ready for it. This isn't going to be business as usual. What he is wanting to do is bigger than that. And the key to unlocking it will be unceasing prayer in Hawaii. I cannot underline how significant and important this is. God is calling you to unceasing prayer because the winds of the Spirit are coming. This whole journey is named Raise the Sails because of our conviction that the winds of the Holy Spirit are blowing And we want to catch that wind and go wherever the Spirit of God leads us. Amen? Amen. Today we'll see how God meets the Israelites as they prepare before Jericho. And how God meets us as well. As we go through our sermon today, ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about? Ask yourself, what is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? Joshua chapter 5 verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. What is God saying to you and what does he want you to do about it? (laughs) If you are worried that God wants your money, man, I've got bad news for you. Uh, God wants way more than your money. God wants your whole life. The Israelites have crossed the Jordan. They're outside of Jericho. And this clearly would be the best time to attack Jericho. They have the advantage. Take Jericho by surprise. And what does God tell Joshua to do? Perform a medical procedure that will incapacitate your entire army. Render them all unable to fight and leave them completely vulnerable to attack for days. And from our point of view, the Israelites should be preparing their weapons and their supplies. But from God's point of view, God wants them to prepare their hearts. When we were writing these books months ago, at one point, I actually thought, ha ha, who's that poor sucker who has to preach about circumcision in week five? Glad that's not me. (laughs) Circumcision was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham. But after the Israelites escaped Egypt, the entire generation born during 40 years of wandering in the wilderness had not been circumcised. And that's what the again refers to in this passage. The entire community hadn't done it for 40 years. And circumcision isn't just a physical mark. It is a spiritual mark. Moses, 40 years earlier, before he dies, before he commissions Joshua as his successor, says this to all of Israel 40 years earlier. Deuteronomy 30. The Lord your God will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will take possession of it. 
Moses says this to Israel, and they have. They are now in possession of the promised land. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. What is God saying to the Israelites and what does he want them to do about it? God wants them to prepare their hearts so that they might love him with all their heart and all their soul and live that they might remember the covenant that God has made with them and sit and think while they healed at the literal doorstep of their enemies. He wants them to renew their commitment and for them to know that the battle isn't theirs. The battle is the Lord's. And I think we have to remember the same thing. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. So what did Joshua do? He obeyed. Verse 3. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Joshua heard God and obeyed. Once everyone was healed, did Israel then attack Jericho? No. They sat down and they had a multi-course dinner together. Verse 8. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The Passover is a celebration of remembrance of how God delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and delivered them across the Red Sea. A celebration of how the angel of death passed over their lives. It's a communal celebration and remembrance. The Israelites hadn't done it in 39 years. You know, I imagine that there's this one Israelite guy who's all excited about going into battle. And he's got his sword sharpened and his armor on. And as soon as they cross the Jordan River, he's like, let's go get Jericho. And then Joshua says, no, 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 no. First, we're going to make this big pile of rocks to remember what happened here. And our guy's like, okay, that seems reasonable. And after the rocks are piled up, this guy's like, now, let's go get Jericho. And Joshua's like, no, 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 now everyone's getting circumcised. <laughs> and he's got to be like, wait, what? But he does it and he heals. And then he's like, now let's go get Jericho. And Joshua's like, no, now all of us, the whole community, we're going to sit down and have this big celebration dinner that we haven't done in 39 years, full of food and prayers. And remember how God has come through for us over and over again. And our guy's got to be like, what is going on? I thought we were going to battle. What's going on is clear. God is showing the Israelites that taking Jericho isn't a military exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. It's an exercise in trusting God. Asking, what is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? And then obeying. Our sermon title is Surrender to Him. And let's be clear. God doesn't want Jericho to surrender. He wants Israel to surrender. God wants Israel to surrender to him. In the same way, God wants us to surrender to him. We've said it all along. Our Raise the Sales journey isn't primarily a financial exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. Is there a financial component? Yes, we want to raise money, just like Israel wants to defeat Jericho. But the more important thing for Israel and for us is growth in our relationship with God. 
The Israelites stacked piles of rocks. They circumcised adult men. They had a celebration dinner. And we've got these wristbands, these study guides. We formed new small groups and had worship nights. It's to remember for Israel and for us how God has come through again and again. To remember his his promise and his covenant with us to listen to him and to obey him. That we may love him with all our hearts and with all our soul and live. What is God saying to me and what does he want me to do about it? These aren't just sermon questions. These are everyday life questions. To hear God who still speaks today and still seeks our worship and obedience. Not just for 27 minutes of the sermon, but for 168 hours in the week. Joshua chapter 5 shows us that the point isn't always the outcome. Sometimes the point is the preparation and the process of listening for God's voice and then obeying. What is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? Can we ask ourselves that question? Take that question with us into the week, into our everyday lives, to hear God and obey in our office, in our school, in our home, in our neighborhood. And the answers are going to be unique to you. It may involve risk. It may involve sacrifice. I don't know. I'm not you. I'm not God. So I'm not in that conversation. That's a conversation between you and God. I'm going to be somewhere else, eating peaches, having my own conversation with God. <laughs> Joshua 5:11. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Cana. Manna was God's provision for Israel while they wandered in the desert. For 40 years, manna would appear, enough to provide what Israel needed every day. Six days a week, just enough for that day. And on the sixth day, double would appear, enough for that day and also the Sabbath day on the seventh day. God provided miraculously for Israel for 40 years, every day until they got to the promised land. And once they got there, the manna stopped and they started eating the food from the promised land. The manna stopped but not the miracle, because it's all miracle. Not just the manna that appeared like frost, but the food that grows from the ground too. God's provision for us in all ways is a miracle, whether it's manna or whether it's the produce of the land. It's a reminder to us of God's love and provision in our everyday lives. We just need to open our eyes and see it. A few weeks ago, we had the Life in the Spirit conference here. And I got to witness one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. God still speaks today. And people were physically healed. My shoulder got healed. But something even more amazing happened that I've never seen before. Pastor Alan Scott from the Anaheim Vineyard Church was the speaker. And on Friday night, he was teaching from Matthew 10, 7, uh, where Jesus sends the 12 disciples out. And Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Alan was teaching about being generous with our prayers for healing for others. And he continued to teach, and at one point he paused, and he asked, does anyone have $20? And Kiani, one of our youth group leaders, 
immediately went running down to the front with a $20 bill in her hands and gave it to him. He takes the $20 and he asks, does anyone need $20? And one of our kids from a youth group raised their hands and he gave them the $20. And then Alan Scott again asked, does anyone have $20? And another person from our church went up and gave him $20. He took the $20 and said, does anyone need $20? And another one of the students from our youth group raised their hand and he gave him the $20. He asks again, does anyone need $20 twice this time? And he says, does anyone need $40? And an older gentleman down in front uh, raises his hand and slowly walks up and takes the $40. And it gets kind of quiet now because you have the sense that this is someone who actually needs the money. Uh, then Alan, asks, Alan Scott asks, does anyone have $20 a few more times in a row collecting $80? And then he says, does anyone need $80? I think there's a woman here whose name begins with B who needs $80. And as he's saying that, another one of our youth volunteers stands up and walks up and gives them another $20, and she says she needs more than $80. And so Alan Scott takes the money, and he says, does anyone need $100? I think there's a woman here whose name begins with B who needs $100. Nobody moves. It's dead quiet. And from the very back, I see someone waving their arms and pointing. And they're pointing at a young woman with a cast on her arm who's absolutely just weeping, just crying and crying as she walks up to the front. And as she gets to the front, Alan Scott asks her, what's your name? And she says, Rebecca. And he says, what do your friends call you? She says, Becca. And he says, you're my woman whose name begins with a B who needs $100. And she nods and she's crying. And then he says, Becca, actually you need more than $100, don't you? And she continues to cry and nods her head. And then Alan says, as the Lord leads you to give, I invite you to give to Becca. And she's shaking her head no, crying. And he says, I know it's hard for you to receive, but it's actually great joy for us to give. And every one of those youth group students went up and gave her the $20. And that older gentleman went up and gave her the $40. And people from every direction started walking up to give her money. There was a line of people, like a Filipino wedding, walking up to give her money. (laughs) Joyfully. And at one point, Alan Scott says, this is what it looks like when the church is the church. Bills are overflowing from her hands or onto the floor. Someone's got to get her a box to put the money in. Someone runs over and gives her a Starbucks gift card. (laughs) Everyone is laughing and crying, watching this miracle unfold. I've never seen anything like it. God is a generous God. Freely you have received, freely give. Alan Scott was teaching about healing prayer. He has no idea what we're doing with Raise the Sales. The next day, I thought about asking Becca what the backstory was, but I didn't, because I realized that the point wasn't, what does Becca need the money for? The point is that God is generous. He hears our prayers. He still speaks today. He knows our name and our needs, and there's great joy in generosity. God is generous. Can we be generous? Not just with our money, but with our offers to pray for people. Generous with our compliments and our encouragement and our smiles. Generous with our praise. Generous with our driving, waving people in. 
generous with our invitations and our calendar, generous with our time and our talents and our hearts. Our journey is called Raise the Sails. We want to raise our sails to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and go where he leads us. Our journey is not called Paddle Harder. We could have called it Paddle Harder. But the point is not that we grit our teeth and sweat and move the boat. Kathy Makuakane paddles. And she said that she was paddling once in a canoe that had a sail. And once they put the sail up and the wind caught it, they just took off. And they were moving so fast that they couldn't even paddle. That if they tried, they'd lose their paddle. We are not paddling harder. We are raising our sails. Because our God is generous and gracious And he's at work in our world. May you hear these words of assurance today from the prophet Joel. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Amen. Let's keep going in Joshua. Joshua 5, 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servants? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua obeyed. What a perfect verse for our times. Joshua says to God, are you for us or for our enemies? And the response here in Hebrew is literally, no. No. I am the commander of the Lord's army. We live in tumultuous times. And people are constantly picking sides. Impeachment, TMT, gun control, Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, Mac or PC, Wyola shave ice or Matsumoto's, brown rice or white rice. (laughs) And our human tendency is to ask this question of God that Joshua asks, are you for us, God, and our political party, our group, our interest, or are you for our enemies? And God replies, no, I am the commander of the Lord's army. This great big thing that's way bigger than your concern. And the question, question then isn't, are we, is God, the question isn't, is God on our side? The question is, are we on God's side? During the Civil War, someone supposedly asked Abraham Lincoln, is God on our side? And Lincoln replied, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Joshua falls on his face in worship. We don't worship angels or created beings, just God. And so the fact that the commander of the Lord's army doesn't tell Joshua to get up suggests that this is an appearance of God himself. And what he tells Joshua is fascinating. He says, the place you are standing is holy. This isn't the temple or the Ark of the Covenant. This is just some field outside Jericho. And it's holy ground. Why? Because God is there. That's what makes it holy. And so it is in our lives today. If you are a follower of Jesus, the place where you are sitting is holy ground. 
Not because it's in a church. When you go to your car, that's going to be holy ground. When you go home, that's holy ground too. When you go to the coffee bar, that's holy grounds. <laughs> it's Hebrews, but just for today, let's call it holy grounds. Why? Why is it holy ground? Because God is there. God lives within us through his Holy Spirit. And so our bodies are temples. And where God is, it's holy. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We modern people think there is somehow a divide between secular and sacred. Church is spiritual. My workplace is secular. Bible study is spiritual. But my parenting or my sexuality or my money, that's secular. And can I tell you, it's all spiritual. It's all sacred. Where God is, it's holy. And God's spirit is everywhere you go. Nothing is secular. Everything is sacred. Abraham Kuyper, the prime minister of the Netherlands in 1905, wrote this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. I'm going to read it again. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. When God appears to other people in the Bible, there's a similar pattern. God appears, the person worships, God gives them a task and then an assurance that they'll be successful. But not here, not with Joshua. It, here it's just the first two. God appears and Joshua worships. And the only task God tells Joshua is, take off your sandals. Joshua's act of worship was to take off his sandals. And Joshua obeys. What is God saying to you? What does he want you to do about it? Can we, like Joshua, take off our slippers and worship God? Can we hear God's voice and obey whatever he asks? God's got the outcome. The battle is the Lord's. God's got Jericho. Does he have our hearts? Today is Communion Sunday. As the elders and deacons prepare to distribute the elements, I want to look at Joshua 5.13. For one last thing, Joshua 5.13, when, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And I love this small detail because wherever you are in your life today, whatever Jericho is looming before you, whatever thing and whatever hard thing you are going through in your life, and I know that there are many of you going through hard things, can I give you one piece of pastoral advice? Look up. Look up. The Lord is standing before you, and the battle is the Lord's. We celebrate communion, and the presence of God always transforms the ordinary and the secular into something holy and sacred. The night before Jesus was crucified, he celebrated the Passover meal with his closest friends, and he invited them into communion with him, to remember God's faithfulness and to celebrate a new covenant, a covenant in which the angel of death passes over us and our lives. Jesus took ordinary bread and wine and made them sacred, 
so that when we partake of these everyday things, Jesus himself is fully present with us. Jesus invites us to this table to celebrate and remember as a community the great things that God has done for us and to anticipate the great things to come. To remember the sacrifice of Jesus for us and to expect his return in glory one day. Jesus invites us into communion with him to remember and obey him, to look up and to see him. Ever, only, all for thee. If you'd like prayer at the end of this service, there'll be members of our prayer team in front of the cross and in front of the choir risers. We invite you to come forward. But now receive this blessing. May the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Every part of our lives is the Lord's. He wants from us hearts that are obedient. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.